0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello and welcome to the Roto Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Today is, I believe, Tuesday, could be Wednesday, depending on where things are happening, but I think we're just under that, where we're recording. Uh, October 24th, uh, I am Chris Crawford, I'm joined by my good friend Drew Silva, and we are about to do some World Series talk. We finally have our matchup set. It took a long time, but we have everything set, and just like everybody predicted, Drew, we've got Arizona against Texas for the World championship the six seed versus the five seed the uh ncaa tournament equivalent of like a five versus a seven something like that you know something along those lines maybe an eight versus like an upstart 11 maybe he would be a better uh comparison either way it is definitely not a one versus a one
2: but it was pretty fun to get here wasn't it yeah, I mean, I I, I think uh, someone tweeted out a stat that like underdogs in this postseason had a six eighty nine winning percentage. I, and I saw that earlier this morning, so up that to like around seven hundred. So if yeah, if you were betting on the underdogs throughout October, you're you're doing pretty well right now. Hey man, like you know the wild card series were sweeps, and we were kind of groaning about that. Um, mm-hmm. But you know the division series were interesting, and then to have both championship series go to game seven as a person without a dog in the fight. I just want to be yeah. entertained. And and I was thoroughly entertained that, that this game seven of the NLCS that just wrapped up before we hopped on was, was a, a pretty thrilling game. I'm sure Phillies fans are f- frustrated to, to have sure. to lose both games at home to drop the series. Um, but, but we can get into them and get into the diamondbacks kind of look back and look forward with, with what we have left. I don't want the baseball season to end. I'm kind of glad there's, what is it? a Two full days off before the world series starts. Yes. Which seems kind of strange. I guess they did that because then they can start it. They can go Friday, Saturday, not <laughs> contend with the NFL on Sunday and then Correct. wrap it up the following week. Probably makes sense from a scheduling standpoint and, Again, yeah, I don't want the baseball season to end, so I'm okay with it being extended a bit more than it probably needs to be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I am just fine with us possibly getting some November baseball. Give it to me. Like, I do not want the baseball season to end. Drew and I both rooted for teams that did not make the postseason. One of our teams got a little closer than the other one, but ultimately the, the ultimate goal why? was – Why take a shot? I'm not taking a shot. I'm just pointing out facts, man. That's – uh. That's the analytical side of me. Uh, let's talk about the series that just wrapped up. Uh, Arizona wins four to two. Uh, Brandon Fat throws four innings, gives up two runs, seven strikeouts. Um, I thought actually looked pretty darn good, Drew. And I was, look, this Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen was not considered the strength of the team, even with Paul Seawald coming into it. But I've been just so impressed with what I have seen from this Arizona bullpen. I mean, I, we could talk about Corbin Carroll. We could talk about Cattell Marte. We can talk about a lot of stuff. But without this Arizona bullpen, this team is not where they are today. And it's very weird to be saying that on October 24th.
2: Yeah. I mean, Andrew Salfrank kind of stumbled in game seven. He, Mm -hmm. you know, he's been pretty unpredictable in the, in these playoffs, like he's either really good or, you know, has some problems with command, but a a nice left-handed addition to that bullpen that got remade on the fly throughout the year. It was a terrible bullpen coming into the year. Um, It it was why you kind of had doubts about is the, are the Diamondbacks ready to take a step forward? Usually when a team moves from rebuilding mode into like real contention mode. They actually, they finally shore up the bullpen and the Diamondbacks kind of did that as the season rolled along. But um, South Frank like adds a nice bridge to Kevin Ginkle, who was awesome in this man, series and probably. awesome man. Like, yeah, he got them out of two different jams in game seven Um p- pitching against you know, the heart of the Phillies batting order. Um, and then Paul Seawald, you know, hats off to him. He, he's he been a, a shutdown closer all of a sudden for the Diamondbacks. I agree with you on Brandon Fott. Like, he, he was good. Not quite as good as his previous two starts this mm-hmm. postseason, but solid. Um, Ron Darling pointed this out on the TBS broadcast, which I have to say I like a lot more than the Fox broadcast. They just
1: – A billion percent. Whatever
2: they're doing, I don't know what all goes into producing television, but – like the, the crowds are, are louder. Um, I think the cameras are better. Like it's just, it, and I just think the broad, I love Ron Darling. Like he's a ter- terrific analyst. Um. Anyway, think. what was I saying? But um, Darling pointed out that fought would like basically stare down the pitch clock, like run it to the one or two second mark and then deliver. Um. And you saw some crafty pitchers do that as the regular season went along using it To their advantage to sort of control the at bat. I I found that fascinating that the pitch clock became an an edge this season for pitchers who Mm -hmm. knew how to utilize it in that way. And, you know, Fought used it in the fourth inning to get out of a bases loaded jam with a a big strikeout of a Philly center fielder, Johan Rojas. And Arizona took a 3 2 lead the next frame and it kind of set the dominoes rolling to get it to the bullpen and and shore up that victory and, and put the Diamondbacks in the World Series. An 84 win regular season. They were technically the final NL wild card. They got that third NL wild card spot and, and now to the World Series. You know, they were the fastest expansion team to win a World Series back in 2001. That was a team of like, you know, kind of mix and match. There was a lot of veterans on it. This has more of an organic feel or like, yes. you know, something that could be built to, to truly last. And Mike Hazen and, and the Diamondbacks' front office deserve a lot of credit we could go up and down the roster and and talk about some players who are you know really who shined throughout the year or like coming together like Gabriel Moreno um, has had a big postseason a young catcher for the Diamondbacks Corbin Carroll the you know no doubt NL rookie of the year he'd been struggling in this series leading up to game seven but uh, became just the second rookie in history to record three-plus hits in a Game 7, joining Dustin Pedroia from the 2007 Red Sox. I think it was fitting that Carroll caught the final out of Game 7 on Tuesday night. Like, yep. Is he ready to take over on the biggest stage against the Rangers? It's an intriguing matchup all around. I think these are two kind of flawed teams. It's not who we would have guessed, like you said at the top of the show, but um, it could be an exciting series because of that.
1: Yeah, I think so, absolutely, and just two teams that are just playing so well at the right time, and it's worth pointing out, too, that, like, as we say goodbye to the two teams that were eliminated, um, both those teams had a chance to just win one home game, Mm. one home game, and couldn't get it done, and the... Astros being just the second team to lose all four of their games at home in the ALCS, the other team being the Houston Astros, as they did it as well in, I believe, 2019, which is pretty crazy, in a four-year stretch uh, to have two of those circumstances. Still very impressive to reach the AL- NLCS, and I think the Phillies can probably still call this a successful year. wanted to ask you about the decision to leave Ranger Suarez in for as long as they did. Do you think that was a mistake?
2: I don't know. I thought they were going to go to Zach Wheeler pretty early on. They, they kind of waited around toward what, what did he come in the seventh inning Um, for yeah. him, for him to be available. I, I would have been more aggressive, but having said that, like, you know, Ranger Suarez entered his game seven start with a 0.94 career postseason ERA. That's the lowest ERA through any pitchers. First eight career postseason appearances since the earned run yeah. stat became official, in both leagues in 1913, just ahead of Sandy Koufax, 0.95 career postseason ERA, so they they trusted him. Um, I, I don't I don't think it was really the pitching that that was the problem for the Phillies in either of these games. It was you know the lack of big hits um, from mm-hmm. some from some big members of that lineup. And Nick Castellanos hit a homer in Game One of the NLCS. Where did he go? Like over 24 with 12 strikeouts the rest of the way? Something or in that range? Yeah. Um, you know, Bryce Harper had some chances to do some damage. You know, baseball's hard, man. I, I, I yeah, I think, I think you look back at this Philly season if, if we're going to kind of do their obituary right now. And it was a really exciting run. Um, and I like this quote from Nick Castellanos. I, I saw this earlier uh, today talking about the way the Phillies are run from a, a passionate owner in John Middleton to, to president of baseball operations, Dave Dombrowski, who's kind of been like a, a joke in the analytics baseball fandom sphere, but mm-hmm. certainly gets the job done. Anyway, th- this quote, and it comes within the context of how do I put it? Like frustration from a lot of fan bases with how, mm-hmm. Their teams are currently run with these Ivy League economics majors um, at the helm and and the business model being more about sustainability and profitability, which, you know, sounds nice on the surface. You want your team to always be competitive and you want them to make money. Um, But it's been done to a fault, I think, in a lot of different places. You know what I'm talking about as a Mariners fan with some of the comments (laughs) from their front office at the end of the year and me as a Cardinals fan. It's it's their business model. But anyway, Castellanos said and this was referring to his free agency, his decision to sign with the Phillies other than the contract they gave him. He said, every team is going to talk. I I found that the more intelligent, the words sound, the faker they are, the more fancy and educated, the vocabulary you're getting to describe why winning is not now, but it is in our imminent future. They're trying to convince you. I didn't have to be convinced here. And I, I mean, I, I, I really feel that with the Phillies. Like, I don't think that's just bluster. Like I've, I have no, I, I think they're going to go for it this offseason. You know, they might lose Aaron Nolan for agency, but they'll find a way to replace him. And they're going to be a really dangerous team next season. I mean, the NL East is going to be competitive. I'm sure Atlanta will be the favorite going in. The Mets are mm-hmm. going to do some panicky moves this offseason. I, I saw the rumor from Jeff Passen on Tuesday that they're going to be very much in the running for Shohei Otani. Um, I, it's gonna be a competitor. The Marlins took a step forward. we haven't talked about Kim Ng departing. I think you and, and Ryan touched that on that we last did. Monday, but um I sure did. I, I think that the Phillies are are well suited with the commitment from ownership and the way the front office is run and the players they already have signed under contract that you know they'll be right back in this thing, even if they have to go through the wild card again. They seem to like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a team that is well set up, I think, for It's a team that's built to be very good in the regular season and the postseason. There's only a few teams that I can truly say that about. And I think the Phillies, despite the fact they come a game short of reaching the World Series again, definitely qualifies. Uh, In the American League, Texas wins four games to three in a absolute laugher of a game seven. Uh, Graham and I were watching this one together and did not have. I mean, we were, to be honest with you, we were rooting for the Texas Rangers because as Seattle Mariner fans, we have grown quite jealous of the Houston Astros. And we also really like Corey Seager mom. Our grandma calls her uh, uh, Kyle's brother uh, other than uh, the alternative to what was going on there. But uh, to get that win and Adoles Garcia, um, Corey Seager, th- this is just such a good lineup, Drew. There
2: is no automatic out in this lineup or anything close. Yeah. And eight, no on the road this postseason, like that'll get the really job done. Mm-hmm. Uh they hit 15 total home runs in the seven game ALCS like that'll play too. And and now looking for their first world series title in franchise history, went to the world series back to back in 2010 and 2011, but couldn't win a title and yeah adolis garcia he wins alcs MVP. who won lcs MVP? by the way Did they- i was
1: going to ask you that question i'll <laughs> look that up while you're talking yeah. about uh, some other stuff my friend
2: yeah i'm seven homers and 20 rbis in 12 games this this postseason for rangers outfielder adolis garcia five of those homers and, and 15 of the, 15 of those 20 rbis came in the best of seven american league championship series he's got an overall 1102 ops in fifty-four plate appearances this postseason, and also Luka Doncic, Luka Doncic—that's a hard name to say when you haven't said it very often. But he said Tuesday that Adolis Garcia was his favorite baseball player, so that has to be oh, nice. something. Yeah, and it's NBA opening night, so I—I—I I, I figured that was a—a a good quote to pull for this. And yeah, I mean, like through the first three games of that series, you know, the Astros kind of held you know Marcus Simeon, Corey Singer, Corey Seager in check um the rangers with Bruce Bochi they moved Evan Carter up to the number 3 spot in the lineup ahead of ALCS game through that game 3 that dude is on a meteoric rise yeah. um adding to the young core like Josh Young Leodi Taveras taking a step forward um yeah beyond the fact that this team is going to the world series i think they're really set up kind of like the diamondbacks but maybe with a bit more willingness to spend money like Wyatt Langford could be could be like a, in the conversation by early next summer. Is he legit? I mean, his minor league numbers are insane.
1: Oh, yeah. 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 They, they have still a really good farm system, a ton of really good young pitching that has a chance, even with Jack Leiter not quite looking like the prospect that we thought he was going to be in Kumar Rocker undergoing Tommy John surgery. There's still some really quality players there. It's a really good team, by the way. Former Mariner legend Katel marte with the NLCS MVP, he was fantastic. Oh, He's been really, really good for them, and it's been fun to watch as a guy who liked him quite a bit. It's an interesting trade to look back on. Who do you, who wins the trade of Mitch Haniger and Gene Segura for Taiwan Walker and Katel marte I, I guess the Diamondbacks, since they still have one of those guys still on their team,
2: right? Yeah, and on a, a team friendly contract extension. Yeah. D- did he have a hit in game seven, Catel Marte? Because he, he entered the game on a on a 15 game postseason hitting streak. And he was like up moving up there to like near the, the, the longest postseason hitting streaks ever. He was fantastic.
3: Um
2: yeah. yeah, I yeah, I, I he, he deserved to win NLCS MVP, even if he like he had 19 total I think he has 19 total hits this postseason altogether. Um,
1: So we're going to preview this World Series a little bit and also talk about one big headline, because I think it's a really interesting story, maybe not super fantasy relevant, but kind of fascinating to see um, a manager changing divisions, but not changing teams, but not changing divisions is actually what I meant to say, but I'm not very good at this. But first, we're going to take a quick commercial break.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
3: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes!
1: We have our World Series. It will start Friday. It will start in uh, the tractor-trailer supply store that is Globe Life Field. Let's break it down by starting pitching lineup and bullpen. Let's start with lineup because I think this is the one clear advantage that Texas has. And it's not even an insult to Arizona. It's just when you look through this team, one through nine, I'll take the Texas lineup against anybody, obviously anybody playing cuz there's only two left, but anybody just period. Like Atlanta's lineup, I know historic, I'll take that Texas lineup going up against that Atlanta lineup. It's really flipping good. I give a pretty significant advantage to the Rangers in this regard.
2: Yeah, I mean like no doubt and and I was thinking as you were saying that like I think I'd have to agree with you. I mean this is obviously it's the best offense remaining, but I mean, it might be the best offense that you could take into a, into a world series, you know? I think so. Yeah. I mean, like Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, Evan Carter, Dulles Garcia, Leody Taveras, Josh Young, Nathaniel Lowe, uh, Jonah Heim. And, you know, Mitch Garver got hit in the ribs by a pitch by Brian Abreu, man. Is he going to get like arrested by the way? (laughs) Like Abreu (sighs) has been, he he, he, like had a temper tantrum. He had some kind of mental breakdown toward the end of that series. Uh, but apparently, like, X-rays checked out fine. He, he took it to the ribs but suffered no fractures. Garver should be good to go. He's, uh, for, for game one of the World Series on Friday, has a nice break before that game starts. And he's he has, like, an 898 OPS uh, this postseason as the Rangers' designated hitter. Um Jonah Heim doing the catching. It's it's a really powerful lineup, as we've seen throughout this postseason, that can put put up crooked numbers. And it's going to be a, a daunting task for that, diamondbacks pitching staff, you know, even though they, they did pretty well in kind of shutting down the Phillies lineup, at least in the final two games of the series, the games that really mattered. Um, Yeah. I I would certainly give the edge uh, to the Rangers in a lot of ways. Like this is, it's a kind of a weird diamondbacks lineup. Obviously Corbin Carroll is, is a, a superstar at, at age, what 23, just turned 23 toward the end of the regular season. Um, Gabriel Moreno is, is breaking out at the right time. Christian Walker can get hot with the bat. Tommy Pham had some big hits. Uh, Ketel Marte. Alec Thomas is kind of an interesting wrinkle in this. He actually started game seven of the NLCS on the bench because the Phillies were throwing left-handed Ranger Suarez. Um, But that's a, a young outfielder for the Diamondbacks that didn't have the best – regular season you could throw jake mccarthy in there too as like guys that were on the fantasy radar but were letdowns in, in the 2023 fantasy baseball scene but alec thomas had a really good series and plays great defense in the outfield um he could be an x factor uh, against a you know a rangers team that, that what do they that, i mean they could like maybe throw andrew haney as as one left-hander that they could start in like a piggyback role but He should be in the lineup, I I think, for most of the games of this series. I I don't think the Diamondbacks are going to get too cute with that, with how well he's swinging the bat.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, bringing that up, too, I think if bench becomes a big factor in the series, I think I might give advantage Diamondbacks. I think that they maybe have a little bit more versatility, guys that they can bring off their bench in terms of, like, pinch runners all due respect to guys like you know Robbie Grossman will probably come off the bench in some of these games but they're really kind of relying on it one through nine would you give if you I mean it's kind of like special teams in football a little bit but if you had to give an advantage to uh, a bench would you go Diamondbacks
2: yeah I mean I don't I don't know like it's it's, (laughs) (laughs) I I don't have like a great I I agree with you it's kind of like special teams it's like drafting a, a, a kicker in fantasy football or something sure um, But I don't know. I, I'd like to see a little bit more of Jordan Waller off the bench. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, sure. Their star, well, it's not star rookie yet, but um, a, a huge prospect for them that they brought up at the end of the year and, and have included on, on their postseason roster so far. But you mentioned something about, you know, having like speed too. the Diamondbacks, like didn't run very much in the through the first couple games of the NLCS, mm-hmm. p- mostly because they weren't on base very much. Like it looked like the Phillies were really going to be in command of that series before it shifted to sure. Arizona. Um, but, and the, toward the, the latter half of that series, they really got the stolen bases going. Corbin Carroll was, you know, where he have two steals, um, they, they were all over the base pass in, in these final two games, especially. And that's something that could give them an edge over a, a Rangers team that has a, a pretty shaky bullpen. And yeah, I don't I don't know. Like the, the pitching staff is is interesting, but like Max Scherzer is not Max Scherzer. Um, maybe he gets a little bit better as he moves further and further away from that Terrace major muscle strain that he that he suffered in September. Um, but I wouldn't be confident that he's going to like bring out ace like performances in the, in this world series round. Um, So that's, that's something that the Diamondbacks could use t- to gain a bit, of, bit of an edge. Like, Hey man, there's still these bigger bases. Like they're, they're using them in the playoffs too. And, and the Diamondbacks yeah. finally got on base enough toward the end of the NLCS to, to actually make use of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that just kind of leads into the starting pitching thing. I think this is advantage Diamondbacks. Now, look, uh, Nathan Eovaldi, I think, actually might be the best pitcher going in this series. And so I'll, that I'll helps them as well.
2: Yeah. And
1: Jordan Montgomery has been fantastic. I think Jordan Montgomery's two and a third shutout innings uh, can't be overstated. Like, yes, you end up looking at that game and you see 11 to four. But Max Scherzer was shaky. And to get Montgomery in there to kind of just quiet those middle innings and then, you know, having uh Houston um kind of implode and use some terrible bullpen decisions. I'm sorry. Dusty, what are you doing, dude? Those were some awful decisions that he made. The decision to go to France instead of Arcidi, in particular. I love Dusty Baker. It does sound like this might have been his last year managing yeah. the team. But there were some awful decisions made in that one. But, now, you know, I think that he, uh, Texas showed why they're going. Verspoche has done a fantastic job. Probably the most underrated manager in Major League history. We don't talk nearly enough about how much this guy has done. This is the third team he's taken to a World Series, uh, has a chance to be one of the few who was won four if they can t- pull this one off. Um, but I'm curious your thoughts on the starting pitching rotation because I think that a lot of this, w- the X factor, of course, is Max Scherzer. If Max Scherzer can be the Max Scherzer that was pitching in the middle of September, yeah, it's. I think you got to give the advantage to the Rangers. But based on what I've seen in the postseason so far, and based on what I've seen from Fott and Merrill Kelly in particular, who was mad as a wet hand, as my grandma likes to say, after he was pulled out of that game, but he pitched awfully well, I think I might go advantage Arizona in terms of the starters.
2: Yeah, it's close. Like, neither of these pitching staffs, I think, on on paper right now would be, like, considered ace-filled. Like, you know, Scherzer not necessarily being himself. Evaldi and Montgomery have been great. Um, but Zach Gallen kind of faded toward the end of the year before, you know, looking sharper so far in the playoffs. But Merrill Kelly has been terrific. Mm-hmm. Um I, Yeah, I, I would give it to Arizona. I I, I, I want to see Max Scherzer feels like an X factor. Um, I kind of don't believe that he's going to be uh, all the way back, like in, in terms of like full strength, full health. Um I just I, I have to see it before I believe in and we haven't really seen it yet. Um but I don't. I don't know. I I I think I would give it a slight edge to the Diamondbacks, and then with the bullpens and what we've seen from yeah. the Diamondbacks bullpen so far, overall pitching staffs, I would say the Diamondbacks do have the edge in that regard. But man, that's yeah, that's that's a tough Rangers lineup to have to to carve your way through. Um, I think it's going to be some tough sledding. But yeah, hats off to, to Bruce Bochi, man. Yeah, as you mentioned, the the third manager in MLB history to bring three different teams. To the World Series, wouldn't it be something if if the Rangers had Jacob Degrom for this thing too? They, yeah. you know, they got six total starts out of him in the in the first year that five year one hundred eighty five million dollar contract. Um, he's going to miss much of two thousand twenty four as well after having Tommy John surgery. What was that like around mid June? So probably like early August would be the return target for him. Next season. Um, Yeah, I I think I'd give Arizona the edge in the pitching staff. And the interesting thing with this matchup, like the the Rangers lost 102 games two years ago. The Diamondbacks lost 110 games two years ago. Um, And I think they're both set up really well for the future. So, you know, quick turnarounds are possible if you're willing to spend like the Rangers did or if if you make the right decisions in, in drafting and development. Um, like the Diamondbacks have done. It's it's two really cool, like, organizational builds that we're going to see on, on display in this series.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, look, they did it differently. You know, uh, Arizona obviously helped by the fact that Corbin Carroll, who, look, he was drafted with the 16th pick in that draft. Nobody thought he was the 16th best player in that draft. Everybody thought that was a top five player. It was just bonus concerns. And the mm-hmm. fact he was a high school bat, you know, they – sometimes get drafted pretty darn high. But if there are, you know, collegiate arms that are going to go are ranked similar, they're going to go higher. And there were some bonus concerns as well. A guy who was committed to UCLA. But, you know, his development being so fast and the fact that, you know, look, the Diamondbacks don't make the postseason or come even close to it under the old rules, but they get here. That That's, that's what matters is they got here and it's been really fun to see. I totally agree with you, by the way. Huge advantage for Arizona in the bullpen. And not just like, the closer thing, because Paul Sewald obviously a better closing option than Jose Leclerc. I will say if there's one thing you could criticize Bruce Bochy, um, Bruce, it's okay to let Jose sit a game. Like, it's okay, man. Like I get like, you know, you want to close this thing out, but man, you're that dude's arms going to fall off. By the way, that's the longest tenured Texas Ranger. Jose Leclerc is the longest Texas. Ranger. Isn't that crazy? And like, he hasn't been there that long. This is not like some guy from like 2014 or something like that that's been hanging around. It just goes to show you how quickly uh, things have turned around. But, yeah, it's a huge advantage, I think, uh, for Arizona in the bullpen. Uh, Joe Mantiply pitching a heck of a lot better. Sal Frank, even yeah. with the struggles, is uh, a little bit ago. But Kevin Ginkle, I don't Ooh. think you could overstate the job that he did in this series, man. Just incredible. That slider, um, yeah. That slider, man. I mean, he made Trey Turner look quite the fool. I mean, like, just a really poor bat. Now, got away with one to Bryce Harper. Uh, I think that was really interesting to see the, a couple of fastballs right down the middle of the play, a slider on one of them as well. Um, But, yeah, I mean, their pitching is, I think, the, the reason why they have a shot. But I don't think they have a shot. And I'll just go ahead and make my prediction right now. I'm going to go Arizona in five. It won't shock me if it goes six or seven. All right, excuse me, I'm going to go Texas in five. Um, <laughs>
2: uh,
1: it's Can we just, edit <laughs> um, It's late, number one. And number two, uh, I've picked against the Diamondbacks uh, all year. I'm not going to say I'm going to retire like somebody else did if the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks uh, were to advance here. But I just think Texas's lineup is too good. They have guys that have the ability to get on, to hit for power, to hit for average, to steal bases. You know when I knew that Arizona, or in my opinion, Texas was going to win the World Series, when Adolis Garcia pimped the home run that wasn't, nah. and everybody started criticizing him, and then he steals second base. That's when I knew that the Texas Rangers, I think, were a team of destiny. Arizona's played like one two, but I am going to go Rangers in five.
2: Yeah, I think I got to watch. This might be the first time I watch High Heat intentionally um, <laughs> on on Wednesday uh, because yeah, we talked, I guess we talked, we've talked about this before, but yeah, usually I'll just have MLB network on in the background while I'm working. And it's, it's a bit jarring sometimes when that particular program comes on, it's whatever, it's a, it's a filler show. And I guess people like being screamed at these days. So that's cool. The media is awesome. Um, I don't know, man, I, I'm so tempted by the Rangers offense. I think it's yeah. such a huge advantage for them and yeah. the the difference in the pitching, like maybe the Rangers wind up pitching a lot better than the Diamondbacks in that series. That's like not out of the realm of of legitimately possible outcomes. The idea mm-hmm. that this Diamondbacks team can outslug this Rangers team, anything can happen in a baseball playoff series, but I I would I would put the odds of that low. So I'm also going to go Rangers, but I'll I'll say it goes Six games. I'll say the Rangers in six. That's fair.
1: Yeah, and, you know, maybe that makes a little more sense just to get – although the Rangers have been so good on the road, maybe that's one of the reasons why I'm going with that. You know, they're going to play, uh, if we do five games, uh, more games in uh, on the road than they are going to be at home because – do you like the 2-3-2, by the way?
2: Uh, I, I mean, like, I like the way, like, the NBA does it better. But mm-hmm. that's a lot, of travel. It's a lot and when, of travel when you're dealing with like it's, it's a lot of off days, too. And when you're dealing with like pitching matchups, I don't know if that works for baseball. Like, mm-hmm. what, what would you suggest they do instead?
1: Um, My suggestion would be and I know I'm a little bit alone on this is the World Series would be played at a neutral park. I'm and OK with it that. Would be, yeah. It would be something where uh, it takes place in like one of the big cities. Every single year, it's a way to grow the game. Uh, I think that, you know, it's also a way to be like, hey, you know what? Yeah, winning it all is the ultimate goal. But winning the league and getting here should matter. Like, it should be something that you can celebrate. Like, that is something you get on your home park to do. And then, you know what? Just like the Super Bowl, and the NFL is doing okay, Drew. They're doing okay <laughs> with playing that series in a uh, the Super Bowl in a neutral stadium. I, That's yeah. what I would ultimately end up doing. It's never going to
2: happen. Yeah, I know. I and I also think I would disagree with you because I people always like you know the, the baseball is dying argument that's been going on since the late 1800s. I think baseball is as healthy as it's ever been regionally. I do too. It's a very yeah. regional sport, and that's okay. Like sure. it's okay for something to thrive regionally, and so I think you want to protect that aspect of it like you earn the possibility of four world series home games if, if you make it to the world series and yeah you're the higher seed by the way DraftKings just posted the the odds for this series um give it to me just straight up rangers minus 170 diamondbacks plus
1: 140 wow yeah. that's pretty substantial isn't it yeah, it is Yeah, I, I would have yeah. guessed
2: maybe like one, one four, like Rangers at minus 140, maybe one minus one fifty, minus one seventy yeah. is asking a lot, but I get it, man. I I the way that their odds makers are probably looking at this, and the way that I'm looking at it is that Rangers offense could bull rush this diamondbacks pitching staff. Um the, which is it's been a good pitching staff up to this point. I the bullpen gets magnified in the postseason, and I think the diamondbacks bullpen as we discussed is good, but um I, I get why people why the odds makers and why people that are betting it would probably see it this way.
1: Yeah, I was gonna guess um that it was minus 155. That just seemed like the mm. fair number to me, just based on what we've seen from uh, some of the other stuff. But but I get it. The the Rangers have had, you know, I might argue that the Diamondbacks have had the harder run just because they've had to beat uh, the Dodgers and the Phillies, two teams that really good offenses with some decent starting pitching as well. The Dodgers starting pitching, obviously. A little bit more flawed but that was going to be my guess uh i also think that though at minus 170 you'll see a lot of money laid down on the diamondbacks like i i think in a seven game series type of thing i do think this will be a way to you know and vegas likes that vegas likes when people yeah. are uh laying these, some money down. these
2: odds are created to create action you know that, that, that is
1: 100 correct speaking of action we didn't have any in terms of trades or anything like that but We did get some news today, and this became obvious news as soon as it became reported that Bob Melvin was going to be able to interview with the San Francisco Giants because how in the heck do you come back from that if you don't get the job? Or um, like are they just going to say, nah, we changed our mind. You got to go interview there. But Bob Melvin is going to be the manager of the San Francisco Giants. Uh, This is pretty interesting.
2: Yeah, it took about 48 hours between when that – when those rumors first started, so when the report came out that he is indeed going to be named the Giants' manager, and yeah, this is not a newsy time for baseball. They want you to be focusing on the World Series or the the Championship Series, but yeah, this came out from Andrew Baggerly of the Athletic that Bob Melvin's going to be moving on from the Padres and becoming the Giants' new manager. You know, AJ Preller, the the Padres' head of front office dude, said just a few weeks ago that Melvin would remain. The Padres manager um, that everything was fine, but you know there were reports about frictions within the organization. Yeah, you know, maybe it's like normal type friction after such a disappointing year, but sure. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think they were necessarily getting along. And it's worth noting here, man. Preller's first full season as as the Padres general manager was two thousand fifteen. He's now searching for his seventh manager in nine years. Um, had, Had Bud Black in 2015. He got fired. Pat Murphy takes over him as the interim manager. 2016 to 2019 was the Andy Green era. He winds up getting fired. Rod Barajas takes over as interim manager. Jace Tingler in 2020, he gets fired. Bob Melvin comes in and now he decides to leave. I don't know if that means all that much. Like the manager role has generally been, Devalued across the sport, and manager news just isn't quite as interesting as it as it once was for for fans or for you know people who analyze the sport. But you know, there's not there doesn't seem to be much cohesion in San Diego right now. Like word is that uh, Mike Schilt, the former Cardinals manager, and and current bench coach Ryan Flaherty are the in, leading internal candidates to take over from Elvin. And I have to admit, I Ryan Flaherty was the Padres bench coach this year I didn't know not know that his playing career had ended like I I, I, I swear I, I, I swear I wrote like a player news blurb on him earlier this summer you know coming off the bench as like a utility infielder somewhere
1: yeah the only reason I knew that Flaherty had stopped playing is because uh the Mets tried to interview him and the Padres said absolutely not so I do think that you have to make Flaherty, the favorite here, just because of that. I think the Schilt thing, um, him being already attached to the organization is really interesting. Uh, My buddy, RJ Anderson, wrote a really good article for CBS Sports looking at it. Uh, He ranks Flaherty as the number one choice, Schilt number two, uh, AJ Ellis number Hmm. three, um, Luis Rojas, the Yankees third base coach, um, Johnny Washington, and Clayton McCullough as the six candidates. I got to say, though, Yes, there's dysfunction in San Diego. Yes, they had a very disappointing season. They're only a year away from being in the
2: NLCS, and that is a super talented roster. Yeah. I would want this job, Drew. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I would, I would want it over the Giants. <laughs> he made a dream real job. You no, know, no offense to Bob Melvin. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I think it's a, it's a great town to live in. It's a great job to step into where you've got a ton of pieces and and they want to go for it you know that i think they're they're not going to like all of a sudden close up the pocketbook they might not be as aggressive as they've been in the last couple off seasons but um they're a team that that has shown a desire to win they they don't seem to care too much about financials which is nice to see um and Mm -hmm. and that's what you'd want to step into as manager i I think melvin was making like four million a year and uh some i don't know maybe they kind of go like the cost cutting route with this like a guy who's going to take on his first managerial job. I think Flaherty makes a lot of sense in that regard. And having been the bench coach, you know, for the last year, he, you know, he, he knows the roster and I'm sure, you know, he wouldn't be considered an, an, a leading internal candidate for that job if he didn't have good relationships with, you know, the players and the staff that's already in place there.
1: So with all due respect to RJ, I think all six of these guys are excellent candidates and they make sense. Uh, I'm going to throw Chris Crawford as a candidate for the job,
2: and I've talked to I haven't I've
1: heard, of him. To, uh, I haven't heard of him. at RotoWire. Uh, I think he would do a really nice job. He's willing to relocate to San Diego. Um, he doesn't even need to go back to Coronado. He'll go live in uh, some of the there's all there's no such thing as a bad area of San Diego. What are you talking about, Chris? I miss it so much. What idiot moves away from San Diego? Someone who likes money—that is the answer. Uh, that is going to do it for us on the RotoWire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Uh, follow us on whatever Elon's calling it. I'm at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Drew is at Drew Silve. Uh, stay tuned for a, another new episode this week. And we, Drew, Ryan, and I will be rotating through this thing during the soft season. We uh, changed our date because we wanted to make dang sure that we knew what the World Series was going to be true through a huge fit about it. It was kind of embarrassing. I will leak the emails at some mm-hmm. other point. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.